0: Welcome to Talking Giants. I'm your host Bobby Skinner coming to you from Florida, a Giants fan out of Jersey. I'm here with my guy Danny King at Danny King NFL from New York. We've had a few days to sit and simmer on this draft and I tell you what, man, there's a lot to break down and Danny, we you know, the plan going into the show was to break down the entire draft class. But We want to take our time. We don't want to give uninformed opinions. I know you've been doing some stuff on the later round guys, but I can't let you go without me. I'm just selfish like that. Huh. So today, we're going to talk about obviously, you know, the Gettleman quotes, Valentine, uh, uh, Frances would be an idiot, but mainly the point of today is going to be just talking about Daniel Jones as the quarterback. Anyways, Danny. How
1: you doing a few days after the draft? I'm doing better than I was the day we uh, filmed right after the first round. I've settled down, and I, I've come to like some of these guys in this year's draft class. Obviously, we have to we, – we focus so much time on Daniel Jones, and we just got to put a little more effort into the – not effort, more research into these later round guys just so we could get a more formal opinion. So that's why we're just going to focus on Jones right now. But I, I enjoyed this year's draft. They got quality picks out of it. I really maybe I only have a problem with like one or two picks in this year's draft.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it's an overall good draft, and you know we'll go deeper into it. But like, like the cornerbacks, I like to you know to stay shallow. I love Julian Love, and that's not a pun. Like going into this, um, he was one of the guys that we talked about on our preview uh, for the corner for the DBs, and I really like Julian Love. I'll say really like and of Love. Um, and there's been talks about one of these guys moving the safety, and we'll talk about Ballantyne and his whole situation a little later, but Julian Love is the perfect fit for that because he does every single thing right. He's good in coverage. He's a great tackler. He's a pass-breakup king. The only thing is he doesn't have that burner speed, and I still think he could play corner, but safety would be great, although it's filled right now. But, yeah, this draft as a whole, I'm very, I, write, I like a lot. We both kind of wanted a tackle a little earlier, but anyways, you mentioned that, like, things have changed since you know you know the the thursday night show we did right after the draft and i believe do, like i love doing those because i think that sets us apart people watch the draft they want to go bed. i want to i want to like you know get a show out there that's how i want to separate ourselves not to pat ourselves on the back too much but that does <laughs> sound like i sound like i think i'm way too important right now but no <laughs> that, that, that does leave us vulnerable for an emotional show and not really like a, a fact-driven um looking at the film and i think our like and we both said, like, we, we don't hate Daniel Jones. We don't think he's horrible. It wasn't what the perception is going into the draft. That was more just like a narrative of, you know, people mad at the Giants, which I completely get. But watching the film, I mean, I think we both kind of turned around on him where we're not completely sold and, and like, oh, what, what a great draft. Uh, you know, Gettleman does it. Again, Gettleman's perfect. But we definitely feel a lot more comfortable about it. And I think the fan base does too. I mean, the tweets from Friday were you guys are being too positive when we said for 20 minutes we didn't uh, agree. So now people are kind of coming around and like, like you know what, I like this Jones kid, and I think he has a really good chance to be good.
1: No, Yeah, you're right. Uh, th- that Yeah, that Thursday night I was ready to go to bed because I was, I was like 12, I'm like, I need to go to bed, but you're like, we're doing this show. And I was like, uh, he, he's right, we got to do the show, get our, our, our raw emotions out there. But you're right, now that we've had time to look at basically all of Daniel Jones's tape uh, our opinions have j- changed, and I think uh, other people's opinions have changed. I'm not bragging that we changed their opinions, but people have seen the positives with Daniel Jones, not o- not basically only looking at all the negatives that he had.
0: Yeah, and we'll go through each game. Obviously, it's hard to convey in a podcast, you know? Oh, this touchdown right here, but we'll you know do our best. Um, but before we get to that, let's do some house cleaning. Dave Gettleman, Pat Shurmur did some pressers after each round. Dave Gettleman has been doing a lot of media and now because you know, this Daniel Jones draft pick has made, it's where, we're like the, 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 we're getting ragdolled by the national media. Everyone's making fun of the Giants. In fact, I watched NFL a lot today. They had like six people in a round table and they just took turns like, Oh, the Giants are so stupid. Dave Gettleman's an idiot. Why did they like Dave Gettleman needs to answers to the, to the fans. And then he answers to the fans. And then it's like, why is this guy trying to defend his move? Like, was like, well, what do you want? The guy has to do something. He can't, he either has to talk to you know, talk about his move or not. Like, what do you don't want him to defend his move? Because people are like, they're like, why is he even defending this? It's like, well, because it was a risky pick and the fans want to hear about it. Um, so Dave Gediman, I guess the biggest quote would be he said that he knows for a fact that two people before the 17, two teams before the 17 pick would have picked Daniel Jones. Now, that's a very hard thing to decipher because we know Dave Gellman is not always honest in these press conferences, which I don't think either one of us have a problem with. But so he very well could be lying because, you know, to, to sway the, the, you know, the fan base. But at the same time, if the Redskins wanted Jones over Haskins, which I really believe in, and if the Broncos were willing to pull the trigger on Jones at 10 – Neither one of those teams are going to admit it, especially now that they have QBs. Neither one's going to be like, oh, yeah, we actually wanted Jones, but you know, we got our guy now.
1: No, yeah, you're right. Uh, obviously, Dave Gellman, I mean, he likes uh, – he's he's not always truthful with press comments. But, I mean, I, I find it that that could be true because the Redskins did their work on both quarterbacks. Obviously, it seems like I think their eyes were always on – Dwayne Haskins and maybe the Broncos because no team's gonna come out and admit that oh Drew Locke wasn't the number one team quarterback on our board it was Daniel Jones but we got stuck with Drew Locke so we got to deal with it uh so no team's gonna admit that I saw Jordan uh and say uh, that uh Ralph I forgot his name off the top of my head but the SNY guy said that those are the two teams that uh had the interest in Jones and Jordan's like nah that ain't true I these teams would have said that Jones is their number one guy, but <laughs> why it, would
0: they said that?
1: It's like I, yeah, it's, it's like if they're not gonna basically say like, yo, we Drew Lock was there, but like we wanted Jones picks before him, so we had to now we got deal with uh, like Daniel Jones or Drew Lock.
0: And I love like people are using Peter King, which I Peter King's credible, but Peter King like does a video with John Elway saying like, was there a, like was there a QB that you wanted in the the first uh, the in the first round? And John Elway's like, no, we didn't really have. We were pretty sold that we weren't going to go QB in the first round but when Locke had fell to us in the second round we thought it was a move we had to make but we didn't we there's no QBs in the first round that we wanted to pick. It's like well what do you expect him to say? Like yeah man, we really wanted Daniel Jones. Like we won the fall to us but we didn't have the draft capital to trade up to, six, to 5 or 3. And so we weren't there because the Giants got him. We really wanted with the Giants got him. Like what, what do you like do you, do you expect him to be honest? Like like what is like what is Peter yeah. King expect him to say there? Like yeah, we really wanted Jones but that's how the draft
1: goes. We got screwed. Yeah, you're you're right. But, like, uh, could uh, Dave Gettleman be lying here just to make us believe that uh, there, there was threats to Daniel Jones? Yes, he oh, could easily, be doing that. Easily. He could, yeah, he, he could. It, it, with Dave Gettleman, the guy would obviously make a, a lie about that. But I want to believe my general manager, so I'm gonna believe that he's right and that there were two teams that were willing to take Daniel Jones, even though it seems like no teams wanted to take Daniel Jones. But I'm believing the reports because I believe in my general manager.
0: Yeah, and at the end of the day, we don't want our general manager to be honest. Like and I see a lot of people bring this up like the you know, we didn't assign Odell to trade him as gonna go down in infamy as like the nah. number one Dave Gellman quote. Which, obviously, he wasn't being honest, even though you could be like, well, we didn't sign the trade him, but now we're trading him. But, like, do you want him to be honest in that? Like, you know, we're at the Combine. Like, is there any chance you guys trade Odell? Like, yeah, you know, he's kind of a jerk. We don't really like him that much as a person. He's a good player, but, I mean, right offer comes around, we'll trade Odell. Like, what what do you expect Dave Gettleman to say there? Like, you, you don't want him to be honest there.
1: No, you're right. Uh, He follows, like, what Ernie, of course, he did in the 2004 draft was he wasn't going to call the Chargers to get Eli Mann, and he wanted the Chargers to call him to want to give them Eli Manning. And that's Dave Gellman's philosophy. He was making, he was trying to drive the bargain for Odell up by saying, yo, yeah, we're not going to sign him just to trade him, but teams were still calling him. He wasn't calling teams usually. The teams like the Rams were calling him in 2017, and honestly, the Browns called him. Yes, he may have reached out to the Bills, but because he knows the general manager up there, he wants to get other options and see what people are talking about but dave gumman he's not gonna be the type of guy to do that and yes he's gonna blatantly lie to our faces because he's gonna do uh as he says in his great boston accent the whatever's in the best interest of the new york football giants
0: gotta get the quarterback
1: yeah and if that means he has to lie to our faces and to the (laughs) media's faces then he's gonna do that and he's not gonna go to bed at night thinking about wow i lied to these people
0: That does suck, though. Like, being in that situation, it's like, I just can't tell you guys the truth, or I'm going to be really bad at my job. Like, that does suck. As someone who does not like lying, like, that has to suck to have a job where it's like, if I tell you guys the truth, I'm going to make myself look really dumb, and I'm going to be the laughing stock of the NFL. Although, like I said, I kind of got off this point. Now, the Dave Gettleman Boston accent and the analogies (laughs) that he uses were everyone loved him at first. But now that there's been some questionable moves, moving on from Collins, trading guys away, trading Odell away, drafting Daniel Jones, number six. Now that has once like, oh my gosh, this guy is so quirky, and I love it, has gone to, this freaking idiot from Boston calls him the quarterback? I can't do the accent. Uh, it's, I, it's just John Gruden, I could do the accent. Now it's completely swung where it's like, this guy needs to shut his Boston face up. No, yeah. <laughs> um, which, at the end of the day, and this is the most bland take of all time. Dave Gettleman's job is pinned to Daniel Jones. If Daniel Jones does well, Dave Gettleman has a job. If Daniel Jones doesn't do well, Dave Gettleman doesn't have a job. It's re- he, he is pitting his career on Daniel Jones. And that's that's what a GM in the NFL is nowadays. You get your quarterback. If he does well, you're good. If he doesn't, you're done. And that that's just what the NFL is today. Uh,
1: this is... Uh, I got two points to make here. One is uh, it's more of a something I read from someone on Twitter, which I found quite interesting. But this one, the only time I remember Dave Gellman, ba- like basically telling us the truth was when he was going to draft Saquon. He was basically just saying, I love Saquon. If he's there at two, I want him. He was basically stashing the only time I married Dave Gelman really telling the truth. But this was something i it's not off on the Dave Gellman topic, but it's something about Dave Gellman. So say the Giants are terrible this year. I feel like they have to get a look at Daniel Jones, but would you think he would do what the Arizona Cardinals did if he pulls in, puts in Daniel Jones this year? He doesn't like what he sees. Would he go back into the twenty twenty draft class and try his hand again at getting like the guy that I know he loved in this year's draft, Justin Herbert? Do you think he would do that, or do you think he would stick it with Jones?
0: One hundred percent, no, no. I think what Arizona did is a complete flyer. We. I mean, We've never seen anything like that, and we probably won't for a long time, where you have Josh Rosen, who is a pro quarterback, and you bring in Cliff Kingsbury, which is one of the wildest hires of all time, and you're the first overall pick, and you have a guy like Kyler, who really is a generational player. Even, even if he doesn't work out, he's a generational player, where a guy who's 5'10 and moves around like that is going first overall. Uh, obviously, you look back at Russell Wilson. He is a third-round pick, wasn't even expected to play. Matt Flynn was expected to play. Um, I just don't see that ever happening. And like you said, Jones, even unless uh, Jones isn't going to start week one. No. Now, could he start week seven, week eight? Yes. yes. If he lies that bad. Yes. But for, we talked about on the last show, the over under for me with Jones of games played next year is two and a half. And I think that's, I really think that's a sweet spot because if we're, if we're not in the playoffs, you might as well thrown him in for those last two games. And if it's, you know, if we're four and eight, those last four games, then there's a chance he goes in. So I think two and a half over-under is the sweet spot for Jones starting games next year.
1: Yeah, you're right. I just thought I wanted the bridge because I found that to be an interesting hot take and what the Cardinals did, as you said, was usually – it's, like, unheard of for a team to do that. So I thought that was interesting. And, uh, and I saw – I think it was, like, a bet side in Vegas. It's, like, a big-name side. I don't remember off the top of my head. But uh, they gave Daniel Jones seven and a half starts as his, like, over-under. And I think that was in reference to, like, because Eli Manning had, like, seven and a half starts once they pulled the plug on Kurt Warner. It yeah, really I think, sho- I think he had seven, yeah. It really would have shocked me if they pull a Kurt Warner to Eli Manning and, like, not saying the Giants could be in the playoff hump, but, like, maybe, like, Eli Manning's doing fine, but we're, like, I don't know, two and four, something like that. They're, like, yoink, you're out, Daniel, you're in. And he, Eli's, like, wait, what about me? And they were, like, nah, we're just doing a Kurt Warner to you now, Bal.
0: I think that could be a possibility if Eli's playing really bad, given you know Jones' seven games. But that Warner situation was weird because, well, they were five and four at the time. I yeah. believe they were over five hundred, weren't they? Or maybe it was four and five.
1: But I believe I they were.
0: Over... off the, the season either four and two or five and two. I can't remember which one. But Kurt Warner also was brought in for one year, and Eli was a guy. Whereas Eli, you know, as much as people don't like this. He's going to be shown a much higher level of respect by the Giants than Kurt Warner is because, you know, people forget Kurt Warner was even on the Giants. Um, you know, Eli's won two Bowls. Like, you know, people don't like him right now, but at the end of the day, the, the organization is going to show him a lot more respect than they, you know, they did a Kurt Warner. Now to finish up the Dave Gettleman quotes though, here's two that were taken completely out of context. The senior bowl thing where Dave Gettleman said, Man, I, I actually stayed for the Senior Bowl game. I usually leave. After three drives, I completely fell in love with the guy. And people are like, this guy said he watched him at the Senior Bowl and decided he was in love and going to draft him right there. What he's saying is he watched every game, or maybe, or maybe not every game, but most likely, I mean, that's what a GM's job is to do. He watched every game of Duke film, and then the Senior Bowl kind of hit him over the edge. So, and, like, like I just don't, like, take that stuff kind of that serious. Like, so people are just like, man, this guy—he watched him at the Senior Bowl for three for three drives, and decided to draft him. This guy's an idiot, and that was just taken out of sorry, taken out of context.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, Dave Gellman, literally, all the guy knows is really football, and I believe he watched mostly every tape on Daniel Jones. And and um, he, yeah, he said he stayed for the game because he wanted to watch Daniel Jones, even though it was for like ho- I forgot maybe like two or three series he got out of him. That shows how much he liked Jones, and, uh, and as I said last episode, the Giants really loved their recess senior bowl MVPs, yeah. and obviously I'm not saying I'm not because he was the recess senior bowl MVP. Obviously, that was a, a nice accolade, accolade for him, but uh, D- Dave Gellman did his research on everyone, and uh, he believes that uh, Daniel Jones was the guy, but I have to bring up something stupid about that, because that quote, we had to take it out of context. Chris Carter believes that uh, the Giants drafted Daniel Jones because or they he said the Giants are a racist organization. And I'm like, how come we can't just support the Daniel Jones drafted and just believe that they liked him more over Haskins? Just because Dwayne Haskins loved the Giants as a kid doesn't mean he's going to get on the team. I'm a huge Giants supporter. I'm not going to be on the Giants team in the next 10 years from now. I'm going to be at my house watching <laughs> usually. That's just – it's just silly. People are trying to find every way to hate on Daniel Jones, every way to hate on Dave Gellman. He watched every play available from Daniel Jones, him, Pat Shermer, Mike Shula, everyone, and they believe Daniel Jones was a guy. And just – everyone's just taking everything out of context right now.
0: Yeah, and, and we'll talk about Jones more, like, you know, compared against Haskins when we get into it. Uh, now, this, the news that sucks, Corey Ballant – and I don't want to spend, like, a lot of time dwelling on this, um, but Corey Ballantyne, um, if you've been living under a rock, uh, he was shot Saturday night, early Sunday morning after he was drafted by the Giants. He is the cornerback out of uh, Washburn, I believe. Yeah. Uh, with his buddy, who was also on the team. His buddy died. Uh, Ballantyne, uh, obviously, was shot. He's in the hospital. He should be out in a few days. But I believe you said that Gettleman said he'd be ready. ready. He'll Actually, no. He'll be at rookie camp. He obviously won't be participating. But... If I'm just guessing, it looks like he would definitely be in camp and healthy, ready to go.
1: Yeah, Corey Ballantyne told Dave in that uh, he'll be released in the hospital in like the next day or two and then he'll be at Rookie minicamp. Obviously, there's no contact going on at Rookie minicamp, but even if there was, he would have participated in it. But where it Where is Washburn? Washburn's in Topeka, Kansas. I had to look that up. I had no idea where Washburn <laughs> was the day he was drafted. But uh, it seems like he got shot in the glute, which is a really big muscle, and it's like a, like a very thick muscle, so it didn't puncture any arteries or anything like that so he got lucky obviously his friend wasn't unfortunately was sh- shot and killed but uh luckily he sh- should make a full recovery and uh he'll be back to football activities in a few weeks once he's fully recovered but he will be there at rookie minicamp with the rest of the team they're the yeah. rookies i should say
0: and obviously we bring it up but we don't want to give any takes on it because we don't know anything about it Guess who does want to give takes on it though?
1: Mike Francesa,
0: the the, the sports pope Mike Francesa, um, he says, you know, because he's mad at the Giants right now because the Giants have denied him a little bit of access, and now he's all butt hurt and the Giants are a joke. The Giants are this. It's like Mike Mike Francesa, like, and I find the guy hilarious, but you can't like call people a joke when you like. The past two years have been like really bad for you, my my guy. I mean, you have, you're literally a laughing stock. And I'm not, and I don't like, like, I, I don't like to just like completely make fun of Fred I almost feel bad for the guy. But he's become a laughing stock the past two years. So with Valentine, he says, um, you draft, like, you, you think you did a good draft and the guy you drafted got shot. And now I will say, I, I kind of get what he's saying, where it's like, okay, like, why were you in a situation where you got shot? And, but we don't know anything about it. So it's, stu- it's so stupid to say, like, when Sean Taylor got shot, I remember Kornheiser, and I think Wilbon, too, on PTI, said, like, uh, this guy, he's freaking, like, why is he in a place where he got shot? And ended the guy, you know, he got his house broken into. So we don't know, like, yeah, Ballantyne, now, Valentine could very well put himself in a really bad situation where he goes, you, know, you know, you can't, you know, blame him for getting shot unless, you know, he pulled, like, we don't know anything yet, but it looks like there's going to be no criminal charges on his part. We don't, we don't know anything. That's pretty much what I'm saying. If We don't know anything. So for you to give a take on that, And I think it's pretty damn
1: stupid. Yeah, as you said, Corey Ballantyne, he was just out celebrating. Then he got probably the best day of his life. He got drafted into the NFL and then obviously turned into the worst day of his life. It sounds like he was just out partying. But you're right, Mike Francesa, he he has no place to offer that type of take. (laughs) He's, He's just mad that Eli Manning basically canceled his weekly spot on the show because... He's not sure he's going to be the starter quarterback, so Fred Sessa loses an opportunity. And it's also meant that Dave Gelman won't be appearing on the show anymore because he has voiced his opinions very loudly on Dave Gelman, and he's not a fan of it, so Dave Gelman's like, all right, if you don't like me that much, I don't want to come on your show. I'll spend my time on someone else's show. And now he's losing all access to the Giants because before sometimes he sings their praises, but now he's on them for literally everything they do. I think if like a Giants player stubs his toe at the Quest Diagnostic Center... He's going to be like screaming at them
0: for. Yeah, I don't want to talk about my friends anymore. He, he gets on my nerves. Uh, let's talk about Daniel Jones. Danny Jones. Let's go game by game. We'll try and break it down as much as you can during a podcast. But before that, a quick little ad. All right, so a lot of people are starting podcasts today. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Their creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one play. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You'll be glad you did. All right, let's take a look at old Danny Jones. Now, before we go into, you know, we'll go game by game, but let's just talk about him at a surface level. He's had some really freaking good games, and I've never seen a guy's wide receivers screw him so much. I mean, it's like every single game he has three deep balls dropped, and most of them are, like, just right in the the guy's bread baskets, and one even hits the guy in his face mask. I mean, The guy's wide receivers let him down time after time. Um, He makes safe plays. And the thing I like the most about him is he takes freaking hits, and he delivers the ball over the middle of the field. I mean, he works the middle of the field better than any QB in this draft by far.
1: Yeah, you're right. Uh, To uh, Your point with the big hits, I posted a video on my Twitter of him getting absolutely decked by the fourth overall pick, Kellen Farrell, but he still delivered an absolute dime to his receiver, but uh, no one's surprised his receiver couldn't hang on to it. His receivers were, at like, an absolute joke. Uh, I think, I don't know, but, like, I, I, how, I don't remember all the time I had, but, like, maybe two receivers from Ohio State and Dwayne Haskins' crew was drafted, and, like, none were drafted from Daniel Jones. Obviously, I'm not saying uh, that... Uh, that makes Dwayne Haskins like a like a privileged quarterback. He was just he got into a better situation than Daniel Jones did. That's not something I can blame blame him on. He chose a good college to go to, and he got quality receivers. Daniel Jones didn't, and so it's just crazy how bad his receivers were. And even Dexter Lawrence admitted that he said his like completion percentage was not as good as it should have been because his receivers were drop basically dropping every pass he threw to him every like free passes per game. Yeah, and like you, you, brought up Haskins, and I'm I,
0: I, I like Daniel Jones more than Dwayne Haskins, and that not just like oh he's my quarterback. I like him more like a you know Dave Gentleman, John Elway kind of thing. I just think he's better. Um, he I, Haskins now. It's Haskins is such a question mark, and people, you know, people who people don't like when I say that, but he is because everyone was wide open, and his receivers took five yards shallow routes and took them deep, where Jones is just didn't. They, did, they, they barely got any yards, if any. There was, like, maybe one game where it was, like, oh, it's a nice yak by the receivers. But, like you said, Terry McLaurin, who was uh, also drafted by the Redskins, he was. I feel like he's a steal of the draft, at least as far as wide receivers. I mean, I think he's really good. And then Paris Campbell goes to the Colts, and that's what he's known for, his yards after the catch. I mean, he's just a playmaker. And then you add that they have, um, like, I think four, like, was it three or four of their offensive linemen were drafted? I mean, the guy had everything perfect, and it's not like you can't knock a guy for throwing to guys that are open. But what I can't say is I've seen Daniel Jones tested and tried and true, and he freaking delivers.
1: No, yeah, you're right. Uh, Daniel Jones, he absolutely, he just his deep ball in it is a great no, but he can throw a ball deep. I literally saw a play where he threw a ball like to a wide open Duke receiver. All the Duke guy had to do was just basically extend his arms just a little bit, and he had a catch and probably even a touchdown. And he did it. Duke lost so many of these games because their receivers could not catch the football and gain these extra yards. They couldn't get points on the board because not say they would have scored touchdowns, but they would have been in field goal range to get a free points on the board. But his receivers they just can't do anything. And I, I feel bad for the guy and because People are saying Daniel Jones is a third-round, second-round QB. That That's just not true. Todd, McShay, guy,
0: Todd McShay is saying.
1: That. <laughs> the, yeah, Daniel Jones is a first-round quarterback. Once again, do I think it's, is he a six overall quarterback? No, but once again, that's just me. I, I still have my grudges against that because Josh Allen was right there, but I got to get over that. But Daniel Jones... He is a quality quarterback with quality starts. I know not all of you are going to go look at his tape because we're, we're people that like watching his tape, and maybe you people don't want to. It's a lot of time to commit to doing that. But if you watch his tape, you'll see Daniel Jones makes quality throws, is good in the pocket, has is a good decision maker. I, I have some critiques on that, but that will be later on. But he is a smart NFL quarterback, and he was trained by the guy that trained Eli and Payton, and he knows what he's doing. Because he was trained by a quality coach, and I think he'll be under a quality new head coach and Pat Shermer, who made Case Keenum look to be like a Pro Bowl-type player back in 2017. And he has a quality guy to learn from, an Eli Manning. So, we, Daniel Jones, he's going to be in a good position, better than Duke. He's going to have quality receivers, and he's going to have a quality offensive line that's not allowing pressure on him. Because, as you said, he he would take hits. Like, devastating hits that, like, normal people wouldn't get up from. But he kept getting up and kept going into the game. He broke his collarbone, like, I think in, like, week one or two or somewhere along the line. he returned in two weeks and was taking these nasty hits again. Just so it's a toughness Daniel Jones has.
0: Yeah, he's, he's tough as nails. And a few
1: things. I think,
0: like, you know, just like us, we're, just, we're fans that we like to watch football and, and we, lo- we love the Giants. And I think there's a lot of fans like that. And a lot of people are just, like, all stuff's on YouTube. And I think I've seen a lot of people, at least on Twitter, you know, maybe, you know, and, kind of like, Twitter is, like, its own world. Like, you forget that it's not real life. But a lot of people are going looking, like, wow, he's, he's not what we thought going into this draft. And I think a lot of people think he's good. And I'm 100% on the board uh, of him over Haskins. And you brought up Cutcliffe, good coaching. I, I recommend everyone going and watching. There's this 10 minute video oh, yeah, yeah. Um, with Cutcliffe, and now he only breaks down touchdowns. So I, 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 I commented, I was like, "Man, uh, Coach, I'd love to, to see you break down some of the intermediate stuff that's put in tight windows." But he just talks about how his eyes are trained so well, like, and he talks about how he went to a clinic that was all about training football players' eyes. And on these, and Duke runs a lot of play action because they ran the ball a lot. And, like it, like, it was a lot of play action. So, uh, a lot of times, safeties were crashing in, and he'd find guys open. But just how quick, like, uh, and, and like the point he made, he like, this is this like, this little thing and this little thing is the reason this play goes from being done in 2.9 seconds to 2.2 seconds, which makes or breaks, uh, you know, a slant in the end zone. Just, I, just really breaking down his touchdowns and, and the decisions he'd made where he reads, you know, he pulls guys out with his eyes. The guys are pro- Now, don't get me wrong. There's plays where he stares guys down. Yeah. But he's very smart. And, like, you can tell when a quarterback is, like, you know, robotic in their, in their pocket, in the pocket, like trying to prove that they are a pocket quarterback, kind of way Lamar Jackson was his last year at Louisville, where he was trying to prove that he didn't throw it from the pocket. Daniel Jones has been trained. Like, like, people say, oh, like, oh, you guys just traded drafted him because Coach Cutcliffe. Coach Cutcliffe's not coming with him, which I get. But. Like, his mechanics are great. And people are saying, like, oh, he doesn't have an arm. Show me a throw where he doesn't have an arm. There was one game, I can't remember, I have it in my notes somewhere, where he had um, three uh, throws that were underthrown deep balls. But besides that, I didn't see it. I didn't see an underthrown deep ball. Now, there is times where he pitched a little too much touch on a ball. We saw that in Clemson. But his arm is completely fine. I mean, the knocks against the kid, I just – I don't see them. Uh, and maybe it's because – You know, I, you know, it's it. it, Now, don't get me wrong; it's very hard to judge a college quarterback on how it's going to go to the NFL. So, I like everything I'm seeing in college. You know, you know, or at least most of the stuff. But we, you know, this is the position that we get wrong all the time. You know, the guys that are, you know, surefire Hall of Fame guys coming out into the draft end up being busts, and guys who, you know, go in the second round end up being hundred million dollar quarterbacks. So, while I say all this, we could we're idiots, and we could very well. Be wrong, but let's stop delaying. Let's go game by game. We won't. I don't want to dwell on each game too much because it's hard to like describe throws on a podcast. Army, thirteen to 17, 197 yards passing, one touchdown, zero interceptions. Uh, and then, uh, mind you, this uh, rushing in college. And I know everyone knows this, but I want to do as a disclaimer: it counts sacks as negative rushing yards. So when it says ten for forty-three yards for a touchdown, it's like, man, he ran that many times. And only got forty three yards. is like, no, well, he had a few sacks that bring it down. He's a good runner too, by the way. Before we go into it, like like especially in the UNC game. I mean, he just he's just an amazing runner. He makes plays with his feet. And like people comparing him to Eli's like, we'll compare that to Eli, because Eli has never made one of these plays, even though I did make a video about Eli being the most mobile QB <laughs> in NFL history.
1: No, yeah, you're right. Uh and people are saying i see someone in your comments section responding it it, it was army let's see the Clemson film but let, let's make this clear army <laughs> army had a good season uh they had a quality team i got to figure out their record right now but that game as you said he made maybe two questionable throws that that's a knock i have on uh uh daniel jones he just really stares down uh his players and obviously that's that's a rookie quarterback I, he'll learn to uh fix that issue, but this Army game, it was a good game by Daniel Jones. Uh, I'm looking at, uh, he had a really bad back shoulder throw, but once again, he's a rookie quarterback. He's going to make these mistakes, but once again, Army's a quality team. Let me pull up the stats here. 13 for 17, uh, one touchdown. He, he He had 10 attempts of rushing for 43 yards, so the guy's a mobile quarterback. That's something people can knock on because I've seen him run with my own eyes so I know he can do it and he just as you said Daniel Jones he does basically everything you want from an NFL quarterback in all these games and yes he has these stupid decisions yes we know the Wake Forest game exists but he is he doesn't make stupid decisions that some of these other rookie quarterbacks that come into the NFL do. Like Sam Darnold, he threw in like an interception on his very first play. Yes, I'm not saying Daniel Jones won't do that, but these guys make rookie mistakes, and Daniel Jones is a rookie. He's going to make these mistakes, but he, he's a pro, and he's going to fix these mistakes, and Eli Mann is going to be the guy to help him. Yeah, this game was, you know, he made some, like you said, great deep throws,
0: and, and this is a reoccurring theme in every game. He's not afraid to just slice a ball in there in a tight throw, like into tight uh, coverage, especially on third down. I mean, he's really good on third down. And now that I feel like we're just going to keep saying the same things for each game. um, Now that that I'm talking about going game through game, but like, he's not afraid. And that's where you made the big Ben comparison. And I love it that like, he just plays like big Ben. He takes he takes risks, especially on third down. He's a gamer. He takes, I mean, he takes some freaking hits. And if you notice, now this is something he probably shouldn't do, but every single sack, he treats it like it's Super Bowl Forty Two David Tyree catch play. Like, he just doesn't go down. Like, he refuses just to take a sack. Now, at the same time, like, you need to learn how to do that. That's why Eli's been able to, you know, start every game of his career is because he knows when they get down. And, you know, that's kind of a reoccurring theme for quarterbacks in general that come out of college now. But. Like he just pisses shoulder in the people you know, on his running plays, and when he's getting sacked, and like I mean, he'll be getting sacked by three guys, and he's still fighting. Like trying, it's like, dude, give it up, man. You're not, you're not getting away.
1: No, yeah, you're right. And like uh, the difference—that's a knock on Kyler Murray, because if he's taking these hits that Daniel Jones is gonna take, his career is it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough on him because he's a smaller guy and he's gonna be getting belted. Because let's be real, that Arizona Cardinals offensive line isn't really up to par. I can name you one starter on that offensive line, mainly because he used to be a giant at Justin Puke, but he's always injured. And so Josh Rosen had a terrible offensive line. I think it changed like maybe 10 times throughout the season due to injuries. And Daniel Jones, when he takes over for the Giants, he will have a quality offensive line with him, and hopefully he won't have to worry about these biggest hits. Obviously, they're going to happen, but I know what he could take most of these hits because he's a 6'5", 220-pound, I believe, machine. And he will take these hits and get back up and then take that same hit on the very next play. But he will still complete that throw because that's the type of quarterback he is. Big Ben comparison right there. Yeah.
0: Um, Let's talk about Northwestern a little bit. The more I think about going through game through game, that's probably not going to work. But I I guess we could try and pull one thing from each game. Northwestern, uh, Pac-10 or Big Ten West champs, by the way. I know that doesn't mean much, but I like to throw that in there. Uh, 16 for 22, 192 yards, three touchdowns, zero picks. I did throw in the Haskins comparison uh, against Northwestern, 34 for 41, 500 yards, five touchdowns, one interception. Haskins' stats are amazing. Anyways, um, he he continues to take dangerous throws. And there was a a play in this one, which, like, it worked in this play, but in another game it doesn't, where he's he's literally getting draped on and he's, like, falling to his knees. Fires a ball out, gets the guy on a 12-yard curl first down. Um, Yeah, his touchdowns were really good. Now, there was one touchdown. uh, uh, I think you'll remember this one, Danny, where it's play action. Tight end is running completely free. And I get it's a bang-bang play, but he floats it a little too much. And the tight – like, it's the one time where his receiver saved him. Uh, uh, He one-hand catches it in back in the end zone. And he only has one foot in, which works in college. But NFL, you got to get that throw in there a little lower – and a little faster. Uh, like I said, his tight ends or his receivers saved him there. But you you got to do a little better on that. But besides that, like um, there was really there's two mistakes in there where he threw a five yard curl, which was a dropped interception, and then an out route that could have very easily been picked six. But besides that, I mean, just a really solid game by Danny.
1: No, yeah, you're right. Like that's something I noticed him in my Falls game. He he floats the ball too much sometimes, and obviously, right there, it didn't cost him because his is able to make a very impressive one-handed catch and get the, the foot down because that's all you need in college. But uh, it was another good game by Daniel Jones. Great plays. <laughs> uh, he had a good throw that went for an incompletion. I remember I remember you posted about it, but I also remember that same play. He had a good throw. It went for an incompletion, but still, he made a quality throw. It's just, once again. Oh,
0: you're talking about the pass interference that wasn't called on third down? I mean, just a, like you look at it, it's like, man, you overthrew a guy like that on third down? But in reality, it's like as beautiful as the throw you can get, but the receiver's like just being dragged. And yeah, I, I, know, I know it's one you're
1: talking about now. I, I just looked at it, and you're right. There was obviously a pass interference because the guy was just basically dra- grabbing his jersey. If he wasn't grabbing his jersey, Daniel Jones had a completion and had at least maybe even an extra five, 10 yards down the field, or even the guy had the breakaway speed, maybe even a touchdown. Like once again, we're we're talking about him making good throws, and I'm gonna bring it to the to the Giants roster when he takes over. He's gonna have quality players and Sterling. This is if he takes over next year. Sterling Shepard, uh, Golden Tate, Cody Latimer, Corey Coleman, uh, Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram. He's gonna have these players that he can make these quality throws that will take these to like sometimes even the house. He, he he. I just hate that people say he doesn't have good games. He does have good games. You just got to actually look. Yes, Dwayne Haskins has good games. But as you said, the guy, he sometimes throws these very short passes and his receivers like Paris Campbell are able to take it for that extra yak. His receivers didn't bring that to him at Duke. And that's the difference. Dwayne Haskins just had better receivers. Daniel Jones had to work with what he had. And once again, I'm not blaming, not saying Haskins was privileged at Ohio State with his receivers. It's just he just had better opportunities with his receivers, and he, he was privileged. You can say it. Yeah, he, he well, just. It's so it's, it's Ohio State privilege. Check your program. Yes, he, yes, he had Ohio State privilege. Daniel Jones had Duke privilege, and they're both very different programs. And as we said multiple, as i will going say this now, if the roles were reversed, I think Daniel Jones would not be as hated because he would have quality receivers, and he would still be making these. With even better receivers, I just repeated myself. But Daniel, Dwayne Haskins will be going to Duke with these not so good receivers who sometimes struggle to catch simple passes. So if the roles were reversed, I think we'd be talking about Daniel Jones being the number one quarterback in this draft.
0: <laughs> I, I want to bring this up. You brought up Duke privilege. I don't know if you saw this. Like people make fun of Dave Gettleman quotes. Jay Billis said he played a game of basketball with him, and he's like, "I knew this kid would make it." It's like, come on, what do you, you? What the fuck, Jay What the hell are you talking about? Like you. You played a game of basketball and you knew this kid would make it. <laughs> shut up, Jay Billis. Um, I mean, I, I hope he makes it. I'm just saying, oh, shut yeah. up, Jay Billis. <laughs> um, all right, we're not going to go game through game. Here's here's something from every game. Here, here was go this. He had a lot. It seemed like every game he had at least three drop deep passes. Some were egregious. Some were like, okay, like I can see that. But a lot, like, like back shoulder, like Duke just couldn't catch the back shoulder deep throws. Whereas like, that's what Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate are good at. They are going to make those throws. I mean, look at, you know, Golden Tate's highlights. He makes those catches. Um, and then third down, he is so good on third down and like, just like the most t- like tight throws. And there was like one I put a clip up where I just, I was in a bank parking lot watching tape because <laughs> I wanted some shade and I just yelled out, like, that's a damn, like, that's a beautiful, that's a freaking beautiful throw. And I was like, I have to post this right now. This throw is so beautiful where he gets it right past the corner, right under the safety with, you know, the rod receiver doesn't get it rocked. I mean, just a beautiful throw. He does that consistently. Third down, uh, tight throws over the middle. Like, he, like he's ballsy. And where people saying like, oh, you got to be mentally tough to play in New York. He's that guy. He can take big hits, and it doesn't bother him. He can make mistakes, and it keeps, he keeps firing. He's just – he's a gamer. And I'm so – like—I I, mentally, I trust this kid 100%. And I, I'll just say it. I think this guy's going to be a great quarterback. And bold prediction, the Giants will win the Super Bowl on his rookie contract Oh, within, oh. within five years. Oh. I'm calling it because this oh. team is so young, full of talent. I put up a post yesterday – they have $64 million of cap space last year with four out of their five offensive linemen under contract. Um, you know, Nate Solder, Will Hernandez, and Kevin Zeitler being the main three. Uh, Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate under contract. Evan Ingram under contract. Saquon and Daniel Jones with three and four years left on their contract. The defense is still young. The 2020 draft class. I completely believe in this team. I think this team is going to win a Super Bowl under on Daniel Jones rookie contract, I really do, and people like, I, I just do and maybe that is the eternal optimist in me, but I, I really think this guy has what it takes
1: Yeah, you're right I think I, may, I think I remember this correctly, but once again, I could be crazy but teams fought, uh, people thought the Rams were crazy for taking Jared Goff the first overall pick and now if you look a few years a few, two, a few years later they were in the super bowl last year so the t's gotta take risks and they took the risk on daniel jones but something i noticed i think i may be crazy tell me if i'm wrong but obviously he did have the best receivers at duke but i feel like he really trusted his tight ends at duke and that may, made me think wait first am i crazy do you think like he had that trust at his tight end that's like a like his trust option instead of like his wide receivers or am i just crazy
0: no, I get. Yeah, I, I agree. His tight end is now. Did his tight end? Uh, I think number eighty-seven. I can't remember his name. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, his name. White guy. Uh, <laughs> he had some drops, but there was one game. I'm trying to remember. I know you're gonna say the first two drives he went to them like five or six times. Yeah. Um. So very interesting. Uh, and let's talk. We'll talk about one more game, Miami, just because that game was like a tropical storm where he missed some throws, but he played tough. He made plays. And I put out there that he had two punts that would embarrass Matt Dodge.
1: (laughs) No, Yeah, I remember those two punts. He's obviously a better punter than Matt Dodge. I'm a better punter than Matt Dodge. Most people are a better punter than Matt Dodge. And whenever I see that whenever we play the Eagles, I know that's going to be the clip. The NFL Twitter post, be like you got to remember Every this play. You remember this year. play at Giants the Eagles? I'm like, yes, yeah, so of course, I remember. off topic for a second, how could the Eagles get the most lucky special teams play against us? They had a 63 yard field goal two years ago. They had the Deshaun Jackson play. That that's get off topic. Let me get off that. But I, I want to something about the tight end. I feel like Carson Wentz. That that's kind of my comparison for that because. Carson Wentz loves Zach Ertz and I'm hoping that we can get that same connection going between Daniel Jones and Evan Ingram because yes, Eli Manning likes Evan Ingram, but he doesn't have that trust with him. I'm hoping Daniel Jones and Evan Ingram can build up that trust to become those two that dynamic duo. Because I have Daniel Jones, I feel like would love a six foot free Evan Ingram who is like sprinting across the field that can blow by any linebacker, normal linebackers, so that's something why I noticed that, and I had, like, a dream of, like, Daniel Jones throwing, like, a nice, like, seam route to Evan Ingram and Evan Ingram taking it to the house. That was something I was dreaming about, watching that. Oh, I, th-
0: I thought you were talking about a real dream. I was like, Danny, you're such a weirdo, <laughs> dreaming about seam routes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Not to say that I haven't had similar dreams. Um, I had a dream about interviewing Chad Wheeler. It's like, dude, Chad Wheeler, he's the worst offensive line. No, no disrespect, Chad Wheeler, but, you know, we know he's a listener of the show. Like, you're really dreaming about interviewing Chad Wheeler, anyways. Um, <laughs> and he didn't like me, which was, was sucked, by the way. Actually, I don't even want to say that. Uh, and that, but back to that Miami game, he had nine like he had 130 y- 30 yards on 17 of 35, but it was in a tropical storm. And then for comparison, Miami's QBs went 13 for 28 uh, with 111 yards, and he had 90 yards worth of drop. So, yeah, he had a few bad overthrows, but like I said. Four big drops, 90 yards worth, and on those punts were were pretty freaking cool.
1: No, you're right. Honestly, I I wasn't watching Daniel Jones in that in that Miami game, but I remember watching that Miami game. The field was like atrocious, and that's where they're holding the Super Bowl this year. So hopefully, that doesn't happen again. But as you said, like they were playing like literally a tropical storm. Like you're gonna make bad decisions. The Miami quarterback had not bad decisions; had terrible throws because the ball was like so slippery. You saw the field; like there was puddles every time a player would land. So yeah, lots of wind
0: too. Um, all right, let's let's finish it up though. Now we were like I said before, in the beginning of the show, we we're gonna do every pick. We're gonna do uh, picks, Dexter Lawrence to uh, Chris Slayton um, on Friday. So you know we record recording Thursday night, Danny. So put that on your calendar. Yeah. <laughs> and then because we, we, yeah, we wanted to do we we want to do an undrafted free agent show. And I was like, but I really I had that scheduled for then. But I was like, you know what? Tell me another show that is gonna do. Uh, uh like a player uh player profile on every undrafted free agent you ain't gonna find it so we ain't gotta beat anyone to the punch on that y'all get that next week plus things are gonna start slowing down here um yeah so keep following along if you're a new listener we appreciate you make sure to now we didn't have i tried to do a mailbag didn't get nothing come on y'all anyways like i want to do a voicemail for the end for when the season starts so y'all, like, be, you know, we always like we reply to pretty much everyone. So feel free to interact. Um, I hope you're enjoying some of the film we're putting out. We're going to keep on doing that over the next few days. And yeah, we didn't. So like, as much as I wanted to go through every draft pick, you know, we we like to do a good job. So I didn't want to rush that. Anyways, this show is going a little long. So let's get it done. Follow us. Danny is at Danny King NFL. I'm at Bobby Skinner NFL. Like I always say, we put the NFL there to make us look more important than we really are, even though we're idiots. We will see you guys next time. Let's go big blue.